and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. And welcome to episode two of our live theatre season. Yes, indeed. Last whole month of live theatre. I know, it's so exciting. You know, two years ago, there was no live theatre. And... You know, I'm so glad it's back. Well, we're on the verge. Next week is our two-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And it's really awesome that here we are, two years later, talking about live theatre each week. And what's really fun is I feel that we've done, when, when we kind of planned this, two big shows and two smaller shows. Mm-hmm. Obviously, last week we covered Everyone's Talking About Jamie. Yep. And next week we're going to cover Singing in the Rain. Yes. But this week, we're going to cover a brand new musical in a very, very tiny, small-scale theatre. I know nothing about this one, and I'm very excited to learn about it and to go see it. Because we're covering But I'm a Cheerleader, the musical. Yes, indeed. What on earth is But I'm a Cheerleader, the musical, and why were you so insistent (laughs) On us seeing it. So, But I'm a Cheerleader is a satire rom-com movie that came out in 1999. And it is a gay love story. And that is probably the first film I ever saw that was not only had a gay love story in it, but that, that was the central romance of the film. Yeah. Because I was born in the 90s. 95. Not that early in the 90s. But... You were four when this film came out. Yeah. But I think I saw this when I was like 12. Because okay. somebody told me about it. And I went home and very secretly looked it up on my computer. And watched it on like a stream that I found. And was obsessed with it. But I had nobody to talk to about it. So it was one of those films that like I hold very near and dear to my heart. But at the time, was a secret, you know? Yeah. Which is crazy to think about now. So the film itself, is that a musical? Because this this is a brand new show. Yes. And obviously 1999 to 2022. Mm-hmm. Or 2022. What are we actually calling it? I've never called it 2022 until, like, just now. It sounds wrong when you say it like that. Right. There's a big gap in between the film and the show. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming the film wasn't a musical. No, the film was not a musical. It had a really good soundtrack. Yeah. um, But it wasn't a musical. Okay. And is this musical going to use the songs or the soundtrack from the 1999 film? No. Okay. So it's completely brand new songs. Yes. The musical was featured originally in 2005. Oh, wow. At New York Musical Theatre Festival, where they did a mini musical stage adaptation of it. So it wasn't the full show that we're going to see, but it still had 18 songs, you know. And it starred, at the time, Chandra Lee Schwartz as Megan, the main character. And it played during September of 2005 at the New York Theatre St. Clements. And people really liked it to start with at the time but it was one of those shows that had in 2005 a very niche 
audience and wasn't able to run in the long term. Then jumping forwards to 2019, Musical Theatre Fest UK had at the other Palace Theatre a smaller run from the 18th to the 20th of February at the time uh, of the same musical, the 18 songs, and they had Bronte Barbet playing Megan, Carrie Hope Fletcher as Graham, Jamie Moscato as Jared, who has since played JD in Heathers, Matt Henry as Mike, Ben Forster as Larry. We know Ben Forster. We do. Stephen Hogan as Lloyd and Luke Bayer as Clayton. Okay. I know the names of the characters won't mean anything to you, but there are a lot of people. Yes, because Ben Forster, we watched in Elf, Jesus Christ Superstar, and has been a phantom, I believe. Yeah, he was a phantom. And and he was in Joseph. And was in the news recently because he's suing the producers of Elf because... Because he he was so badly injured with his ankle. Yes, and that's affected his leading man status because he doesn't have, I guess, the physical ability to form the way he once did yeah the way i've seen it described is that his it's affected his uh, triple threat ability yes which he was such a phenomenal performer for all three musical styles but obviously it's affected yeah which is heartbreaking you know i I feel like every time we've seen him we've praised him yeah carrie hope fletcher obviously we we've talked about previously yeah and there was some controversy attached to her being in this performance yes because obviously this is a cult classic the film right and at the time like all cult classics when it came out people didn't rate it very highly people called it derivative they said it was trying to make too many points and that it fell short but the people who were reviewing it were not the people it was aimed at yes like everything we talk about on this podcast i don't know why there isn't a more specialised area of reviewing things. Like, surely there's some reviewers that look at stuff and go, okay, this isn't for me. Like, when we talked about uh, the Osmonds, we know nothing about them. But, like, we're capable of saying, I know nothing about this, but from the audience reaction, I can see that... Well, and this is the thing, we still enjoyed that. Obviously, I think for us, like we said, there's pacing issues. Yeah. But... You but know. you could see the people who were there who loved the Osmonds yeah. and who grew up with that were crazy about and it. And you can still judge it on the merit of what it is as a musical theatre production. Yeah. Basically, I just think people were a little harsh on this movie because when the movie was being made, the director, Jamie Babbitt, she'd previously only done two short films. Yeah. But growing up, her mother ran a halfway house called New Directions, for young people with drug and alcohol problems. And she wanted to make a comedy based off of her experience with her mother running that place, based on their, like, 12-step program. And she then read an article about uh, conversion therapy and how this young man had written an article about how it had made him hate himself, basically. Yeah. Um, And he wanted to base base it off of that. And with her girlfriend, Andrea Sperling... She came up with the idea of this comedy rom-com about a cheerleader who gets sent to conversion therapy. And they actually called it reparative therapy camp at the time. We call it conversion therapy. Obviously, it's such a dark topic. Yes. Because obviously it's a 
torture form mm -hmm. to make a comedy about. But that was the whole point. It was about healing and about taking that thing that was so scary and so damaging to so many people and making fun of it. Yeah. Because if there's one thing we as humans do really well, it's taking things that hurt us and laughing at them. Oh, and I firmly believe that's one of the best things you can do because it makes it less scary. Mm -hmm. If you laugh at what scares you, it's, it's, it's easier to see the light in it. Yeah. She also at the time... Babbitt wanted to make a point of having a movie that was about the femme lesbian perspective contrasting to several films around the same time that were showing the sort of butch lesbian perspective on coming out yes which she personally felt like she hadn't seen in movies or media before and she wanted to create for other young people so it's really good that this has come from a gay voice yes this isn't you know cis white hollywood man creating something about lesbians because you look at things like american pie 2 yes which are kind of the big comedies of the time that there are lesbians in american pie 2 well there's you, you know oh, no no there aren't no they're not no they're not but my point is is the whole that's the way that men see lesbians that's yeah. what i mean so it's the Straight titillation men. isn't it yeah. of you know this is something sexy and something to be um kinked i guess mm -hmm. you know like it, it, it's it's something to be sexualized and less normal yes so the fact that this comes from a gay perspective yeah means that you won't have this titillation it's more more well-rounded characters i hope mm -hmm. as opposed to just a stereotype well this is where the controversy came in regarding clary hope fletcher because she is a straight actor and she has said several times that she's straight and around the time because she was asked she's a, she was a youtuber well, she still is a youtuber she still is a youtuber not so often as she used to be when she was younger because like the majority of her time is focused on being in theater yes. and you know writing, writing and, everything, and else. everything else so she she makes less youtube videos than she did when she was younger but as a youtuber you do question videos and people would send her questions and ask her things about musical theater and one of the questions she got asked hundreds and hundreds of times was what is your sexuality what do you identify as with your sexuality and she would always say straight and when this show came out one of the biggest things that was brought up by her fan base like her youtube fan base who were there because she's a musical theater person whose whole life is on youtube was saying was, hey, we maybe feel like it's not great that you're playing this lesbian character who was so important in so many young LGBTQ plus people's lives as a straight actor. And yeah. we've talked about this hundreds of times that we feel that it is inappropriate for straight actors to be taking these kind of roles from LGBTQ plus actors, especially when it's something as important as oh, yeah. But I'm a Cheerleader. And her reaction was to say that she was not straight, but she was in fact hetero-flexible because she was would get drunk and kiss girls. But she wouldn't date a girl, and she would never date a girl, but she would was okay with kissing girls for fun when she was drunk. And that had a huge amount of backlash. People were really, really upset about it, and she lost a lot of followers because of it at the time. Yeah, that's understandable. 
I think I think that was mishandled. I don't know why Carrie Fletcher as a pers- as like a personality doesn't have a PR team, but that whole situation was handled very very poorly. I feel like people are learning more in more recent years to come out and say, "Hey, you're right. Maybe I am the wrong casting for this, but at the time I was asked to be in this show, the directors are the ones that cast me because really it's not like she was like, I'm going to play Graham. And they were like, yeah, cool, welcome. You know, she auditioned for this yes. role. It's the fault of the casting directors, not her. However, she's the one with the big YouTube platform. So yeah. she got the backlash. And that is difficult to deal with it. But obviously then you've got to put your hands up and kind of, instead of being defensive about it, discuss it a bit more calmly. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to you guys. I understand your point of view. Fair enough. Yes. So this was the 18th to the 20th of February. So it's a very short run. So this actually isn't, I say, a new musical. Mm -hmm. But this is its first full UK kind of run. Yes. This is its first proper run. I mean, it's proper conception here in the UK. Because that was just part of MT Fest. Most of it was like static mics with some acting in between. Basically what we see from the workshop in Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, or from, like, Les Mis in concert, that yeah. kind of vibe. Um, but yeah, so we're now at the Turbine Theatre in London. It began previews on the 18th of February, which is very cool, of this year. Yes. And it's running through until the 16th of April. Yes. And so... if you can get tickets, go and see it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're going to see this tonight. Yes. Uh, yesterday was my birthday, so this is kind of the way we're celebrating my birthday weekend. Happy birthday. <laughs> By going to go see some theatre. I've not been to the Turbine Theatre before, but looking at the seating plan, it's quite small, which is quite nice. It's going to be quite an intimate show. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very excited. And looking at the cast list online, what I've been really pleased with is the fact that everyone has pronouns attached to yeah, their profile. On the website, yeah. And considering that this is such an important show, I guess, for the LGBTQ plus community, that in itself is such a, a nice addition. Mm-hmm. You you talked to me about the issues with, you know, Carrie Hope Fletcher when she was attached to Graham. Yes. Is that something that the production team of this have listened to that you're aware of? Based on the research that I've done, yes, because I watched a couple of videos about the casting of this that were made by But I'm a Cheerleader, the musical, and they're on What's On Stage on YouTube, you can go and watch them, and they've talked the cast very in-depth about how much the film meant to them, how much this show means to them, and how much they think it's going to mean to other people in the future, which is amazing and really, really nice to have, especially because... Some of the cast in this show, I'm trying not to give you any spoilers. Some of the cast in this show multi-role and it's done very well with who's playing what characters. Okay. The only name that I recognise is Jodie Steele. Yes. I know that Jodie Steele has been in Heather's. Yes, she was Heather Chandler. Is Heather Chandler one of the main roles? She's the Heather. Oh, she's the... Okay. Yeah. And she was Catherine Howard on the UK tour of Six, mm-hmm. which is very, very cool. Yes. But if I look at 
her CV, you can see that she's been attached to things like Rent, mm -hmm. Follies, Fame, Jesus Christ Superstar, Legally Blonde, Wicked, Rock of Ages, yeah. Godspell. She is a powerhouse musical theatre performer. So that's pretty cool that, you know, such a small show can have somebody who's had a lot of success. Yes. You know, that this is clearly a show that they're hoping will hit acclaim and mm -hmm. maybe, maybe have more of a future in the UK. You know, they're not just rely. not that there's anything wrong with relying on a newer cast, but they've clearly put some investment into make, making sure that they have some really strong performers attached to this. Yes. And Jodie Steele has a huge following, especially because she was in Heather's. Heather's had a huge cult following the musical and... Would she have been in Heather's with... She was in Heather's with Carrie Hope Fletcher, yeah. Cool. And also Six has a huge cult following. Like, people love Jodie Steele, which I think is a good thing because more people are going to come and see this show. Yeah. She's not a stunt cast. No, 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 no. she's no, not no, any no. of the leads, but she's a wonderful performer and I'm really excited to see her. But I think this. that's one of the things is that sometimes with shows like this, you need to have at least somebody who has name value mm -hmm. because... This isn't in London's West End. You've got to go a little bit out of your way to get to this theatre. Yeah. You know, and if you're not familiar with But I'm a Cheerleader, will this entice you? Mm -hmm. So if you have a name attached to it, that adds just a little bit more to it. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. E-X-C-I-T-E-D. Excited. <laughs> what does that spell? I'm not excited. a cheerleader. Um, I've, I've never... I've never Got my cheer on. I made you watch cheer. I enjoyed cheer. Yeah. You know, basically pre pre cheer, the only like thing I'd seen with cheerleaders was Glee, the Cheerios. That's more in line with what this these is. kind of cheerleaders are. These are high school cheerleaders. Excellent, as opposed to like elite mm -hmm. competitive cheerleaders. Yeah, it's a different form. It's basically a completely different form of cheerleading. Before we watch this, you've seen the film. Yes. Are you hoping, because the film came out in 1999, and obviously, great, it's got gay voices attached to it, but it is still 1999. Mm -hmm. So there's still probably going to have been compromises made to get the film financed and produced. Is there anything that you, that without spoiling things for me, is there anything that you hope they change or anything you feel has to change for a 2022 musical of that film. Well, I'm not expecting RuPaul to show up because he's in the film. <laughs> cool. But my, I, I mean, I guess in terms of like plot notes, is there anything from the film that actually won't have held up and needs to be altered? I think... I don't know how to tell you some of these things. It's really difficult. I mean, you can just say yes and then we can talk about it once we've seen the show. I think yes, but at the same time, it'll be the way that they discuss things. Okay. Rather than the actual events changing. Because because of how beloved this movie is, yeah. I don't think you could change that much. I think having seen what the stage looks like when we bought our tickets to see this, There'll be certain things that happen in different places, you know? Yeah. But otherwise, I 
I'm just really excited to go see this. It's going to be great. I think similar to what we've talked about previously last week and very much in our recap of Priscilla, mm-hmm. the only thing that really does worry me is obviously what's the audience going to be like. Yes. I I hope because, like you say, this is a film that has huge status for the LGBTQ plus community. And was widely unproblematic yeah. when it came out. Like Priscilla was problematic when it came out. Trans people were like, hey, we don't love this representation. But yeah. with this, that's not so much an issue. Yeah, I'm just hoping we don't get an audience like we've had to discuss over previous weeks where, you know, they laugh not with the characters, but at the characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm hoping this show will attract the correct audiences, especially because it's not like a big mainstream theatre. You you know, if you want to, if you want to see this show, mm-hmm. chances are it's because you, the film means a lot to you. Yeah. But obviously I, I, I feel like that's a worry. So I'll be excited, hopefully to discuss you know, the audience being a good audience when we come back. That's yeah. that's something I'm really interested to see. I've thought of one thing that I hope they change. Cool. But we'll talk about it afterwards. Excellent. You just have to remind me. So we are off to the Turbine Theatre in London. Mm-hmm. It's time for But I'm a Cheerleader, the musical. And we will let you know all our thoughts after intermission. M-E-A-N-W-H-I-L-E. What does that spell? Meanwhile. <laughs> the best bit of the show. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. There's no, so kidding, many I'm good kidding, bits to the show. I I really enjoyed this one. Me too. I I think it was a really, really, really great show and it actually flew by, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, you kind of want that in a show. A show that drags, you, you kind of think, well, why is it dragged? In a show that flies by and leaves you wanting more, that's pretty cool. Because it's not yeah. short. No, not by any means. But this, I did not notice time passing while the show was happening. No. Do you want to talk about the Turbine Theatre? It's so cool. Right. I've never been there before. No, it's in Battersea. Ish. <laughs> Ish. We joked as we kind of got off at the train station that we're like, Huh. We were like, this feels like a pretty dodgy area. And then the closer we got to the theatre, the more I was like, pretty sure we're in Chelsea. Yeah. It's Not... very, very cool. Yeah. Not bad to see. <laughs> but yeah, the whole area outside of the theatre is like really nicely made up. They've got little fake hedges and all the pink furniture and everything. Oh, yeah. So nice. It's it so cool. such a gorgeous theatre. And I like that as we were going into our seats, they've got all these different playbills up. We had a lot of fun being like, look, it's yeah. this, look, it's this. And they're the Broadway ones too. Yeah. They're not UK playbills. And they were really, really cool. I'm sure some of those are worth some money too. Yeah. Yeah. Got to keep an eye on, on the patrons as they go in, don't they, there? Mm-hmm. But I think it, it's a great theatre because it felt really welcoming, but also really inclusive. Yeah. And it's the perfect spot to host this show. Mm-hmm. I also thought the staff were very friendly. Stuff were lovely. They had pick and mix, which always makes me happy. Yeah. It just and felt slushies. like a really warm, welcoming environment, mm-hmm. which was great. And the audience were brilliant. Yeah. 
it was really lovely. Audience were absolutely incredible because this is a very small theatre. And you can see our pictures on Twitter and Instagram from when we went to see it. And you can see just how small it is. Mm -hmm. There was one guy who kept checking his phone. Yeah. Which was very irritating. But the people next to him told him to stop and he stopped. But considering how much we and everybody else in the theatre world have been talking about theatre etiquette recently. Yeah. It was so nice to be in a theatre and not have anything. Like nobody arrived late. There was no interruptions. It was just... A nice audience to be in. And genuinely a safe space audience as well. Yeah. That there was no heckling. Mm-hmm. There was no inappropriate laughter. There's only one moment where a slur is used. Yeah. And it's a very, very powerful moment. And obviously it's not a moment that, you know, comes from a character we're attached to. Mm-hmm. And it has the impact that that scene in Priscilla should have had. Yeah. And none of the audience were laughing. And it was great. It was so nice to be in an audience that actually reacted to this story the way they should. Yeah, absolutely. Which I said in the preamble is one of my my, my biggest concerns. Mm -hmm. This is what what the theatre-going experience should be. Yeah. So... Wonderful, wonderful evening. Yeah. I can't believe that I didn't realise before we went to see this that we were going to be seeing Tiffany Graves in a musical. So who is Tiffany Graves? She's best known for playing Velma Kelly in Chicago in the London West End. But she also became the first actress to play both Roxy Hart and Velma Kelly in Chicago. Yeah, which is crazy. She's been in everything basically but i saw her as killer queen in we will rock you when i was a lot younger that is very very cool it's really really cool i think you will have seen her when we watched the stephen sondheim birthday gala performance you would have seen her sing it was one of those concert ones but I think that's the only thing you would know her from. But I cannot believe I got to see her in a show. It's crazy. That's the great thing with this, isn't it? It's like there's certain shows you're like, I can't believe I got to see this person. Mm -hmm. And it is really, really awesome when you have that and you're like, I didn't even realise, but I got to see this person. Yeah. And it's always fun as well. It's always crazy to me when I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. It's this person. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's like obviously certain shows you're like, I have to go see this because this person's doing it. Like, Mm -hmm. see waitress with Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. However, when it's a happy accident and you're like, I get to see this person. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. That's very, very cool. Yeah. I I think the cast and this were absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, I enjoyed so much of this. I, I think the set design, before we get into like, the show as a whole, the set design's great because it is such a small theatre space. Yeah. So they've got to be really careful with their, the way they're using things. And and before the show starts, where we're sat, we could see some of the cast behind us getting ready to come on. It's fine. I'm not criticising. It's a smaller theatre. But it was also really cool because yeah. they're in costumes that don't show up again. Yes. So they had... Well, the cheerleaders are in their cheer uniforms, but we had insert boyfriend's name here what's he actually called 
Jared. We had Jared in his like football, American football uniform. Yes. Waiting to come on, which was really cool because he doesn't wear that uniform again in the show. No. And I, I liked it because they all kind of come rushing on. Mm-hmm. You've got this really wonderful stage space. Like everything is covered up with like curtains. Yes. Which one is... of them is a pull across curtain and one of them is a pull down curtain. Yes, but it's great because when they eventually get to true directions, all the curtains come off. Mm-hmm. So once we get into this main area, which is really nice that we basically keep the same set. Yes. And we keep the big reveal for when we get there, but there's no changing of scenery. And they've obviously got a really nice kind of like projector going that helps with a few of the scene changes. Yeah. But also things like they have beds that are like tucked into the stage that they can pull out. Mm-hmm. It was a really great set and, and they really thought hard about how they could cram all these different worlds into such a small area. So that set designer was David Shields. Fantastic job. I, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. And again, so projection designer is George Reeve. Really good at building the world. I'm loving, I love this trend in modern theatre that we don't necessarily need big elaborate sets. Simple projection can do so much. Mm -hmm. Like especially at the start of Act 2, we'll get there. But it's like with Jamie last week, it adds so much to this world. I've been going on since our first Phantom Week about how much I love a digital display. Yes. That trend continues. Mm. They did a really, really good job of this. Yeah. So we open with 17 as swell. Yes, we do. With Megan talking about how much she loves her life. She's enjoying being the head cheerleader. And she says, there's a line about, I really need a cast recording of this, guys, (laughs) please. So that I can actually memorize all the songs oh but yes please. she has a line about how she's heard from other people that high school is hell and that's not her experience but There's while she's saying well. yeah but while she's saying that the other cheerleaders behind her are saying high school is hell we hate this yeah <laughs> it's and like, it's, it's really, just you that's okay with this really good like character song you know it's, it's like on par with bell you know that like it's very central to this character who's oblivious to the world around them. Mm-hmm. And it's really good because you see how much they're happy in their own little world, whereas everyone else is struggling. Yeah. And it's a really good, like, high energy number that keeps us going and, and really gets us into the vibe of everything. Mm-hmm. And we meet a lot of the other key players. So we see the rest of the cheer team. We obviously have Jodie Steele as... Is, is this where she's Kimberly? Kimberly is the cheerleader. And Hillary's her Australian. Hillary is the the lesbian, yes. Yes. So you have her as Kimberly, and then you've got Jared, who is the boyfriend character. That's Edward Chittix. Mm-hmm. You see the pressures kind of put on Megan from her mum and dad, who are good Christian family. Yes, they. This is like perfect, a perfect way to take what happens in the film to the stage because the whole opening of the film is in this one song, all the way up to the intervention, which is song two. But you have this bit where Megan is sitting at dinner with her family, 
and her dad is praying. Yes. And he's saying things like, make sure that we walk on the straight and narrow path and we follow God's rules and we're not uh, straying from his path. And he's really laying it on thick and Megan's just like, this is so weird. What is he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Don't allow me to be a vegetarian. You know, I'm, they, they still try and force meat down me. Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with being a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. And you've also got this nice bit where, you know, her and Jared are in the corridors and Jared's trying to kiss her and you can see that she doesn't like She's it. She's not into it, yeah. And it's a really great, like, introduction to this world. And then you get this scene with Kimberly and the other cheerleaders talking about getting ready because something's going to happen. Now, I assumed it was going to be that they're going to kick her out the squad, you know, because Megan's in charge of the squad. Yeah, somebody says, I think it's the actress who plays Sinead later on is Kia Paris Walcott. She, her cheerleader doesn't seem to have a name, but she says to Kimberly, are you ready to take over being the head of the cheer team? Yes. And Kimberly's like, yes, but I don't want to talk about it because, like, you know, it's my best friend. Like, this is the issue right now. I'm not worried about being the head of the cheer squad. Yeah. Because it's very, very interesting because obviously you're like, oh, okay, if you don't know what this show's about, it's obviously going to be about teen drama, you know, like high school is hell. It's not swell. But actually we go into this intervention. Yes. And she is walked home by Jared, who is talking, what are they talking about? They're talking about stuff and she's bringing up feminist topics, basically, is the way that they play it. And he's like looking really uncomfortable. He doesn't really want to talk about it. And then they get back to the house and she's like, oh, are you coming in? And he's like, oh yeah, well, I suppose I have to. <laughs> and then and they then come she's in. like, okay, weird thing to say. And then they walk in and surprise, it's an intervention. Yes, we meet Mike, played by Lemuel Knights. This is who RuPaul played in the film. Okay, I can certainly see that. I, I really liked Mike. I think a really, really talented actor. Yes, in... Lemuel Knight is a phenomenally talented actor. Are they GSA? Yes. Trained at GSA, was the first person of colour to play Dewey in School of Rock in the International Tour. That's awesome. I can so see this From Dewey energy his performance, in him. Yeah. He'd be fantastic as Dewey. Now I want to see that, you know. Right. Has been in Ragtime. Yep. Has been in One Love, the Bob Marley musical, mm-hmm. has also been in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, played Misunderstanding slash Jimmy. Cool. I, I, yeah, I really liked their performance as Mike. So Mike comes in and he's wearing this t-shirt that says straight is great. And he's... Which is like the iconic t-shirt from the film. So is that well. actually from the film? Yeah. He's a graduate of this camp. Yes, he's, they describe themselves, the ones who graduate, as ex-gays. Yes. And then later on, when we meet Lenny... No, Larry and Lloyd. They're ex They're ex, ex-ex-gays. Yeah. And they, the parents and Megan's friends have recruited Mike to come to take her to the camp. Because they say, Megan, you're a lesbian. And this is news to Megan. She has no idea. Yeah, and they list reasons why they think that. So her parents are like, you're a vegetarian. You tried to make us eat tofu. That's a lesbian stereotype. Yep. You know, that they're about. Um, 
what else? They have she says she has pictures of women inside of her locker. Yep. And she's like, there's nothing wrong with look like being empowered by other women. And then she has this line where she says, There's nothing wrong with thinking women other women are beautiful and powerful. And Mike says to her, You just assume that everybody else thinks that though. Yeah. Like that's not everybody's experience. You just, as a teenager, assume that everybody else is thinking the same thing you are. And he, his point is that's not normal. Yeah. Like, that's what we're going to cure you of. There's a wonderful bit in this song where Jared speaks, you know, for the intervention about how hard <sighs> it is for him because... Jared is such an interesting character in this version. Yes. He is not as interesting. No, in I can world. imagine in the film he's far more, like, gross. But here he's certainly, like... You know, I support you because I love you, but it's like bad for my self esteem mm-hmm. because you don't react the way to to me the way others or the way you you don't make me feel appreciated. Yeah, he says that he's dating her despite her being a lesbian when nobody else would, and like she should be grateful for yeah. that. I think is kind of his point. But the way that they play Jared in this version, in the film, he literally doesn't show up again after this. Which is an interesting choice considering how this works. Yeah. And they've made the decision with this stage version to aim more to talk about the acceptance side of things than the abandonment. Which is really good. Which is really good. And especially because this version seems to take place modern day. Yes. Because conversion therapy is still legal. Yeah, terrible. And multiple prime ministers have promised to make conversion therapy illegal. And they haven't. And they have not. So by conversion therapy, that's any form of treatment or psychotherapy that aims to change a person's sexual orientation. In the program for this show, there's a lot of information about this, which is wonderful. And talks a lot about how the UK government has recently been accused of burying reports relating to banning conversion therapy because it is still legal in the UK. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely awful. More needs to be done to fix this. Oh, yeah. But again, it you know, and this isn't just a UK problem. This is a very global problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at everything that's going on in America. Yeah. This is a very global issue. Which sucks. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be. And it is heartbreaking. And it actually, is, it was one of my biggest concerns coming in to watch this is we're watching a comedy about this conversion therapy. Yes. You know, should we necessarily be making light of something that is a very evil practice? But yeah, you know, like we said, we've got to raise awareness that this is a thing, mm-hmm. but also make it less scary. And make it less difficult to talk about. Because if this is the only thing that you've ever seen that has conversion therapy in it, especially because every other film I've ever seen about conversion therapy has gone the opposite direction, made it really scary, really clear how horrible and traumatising all of this stuff is, which is equally as important. But it's also a lot more difficult to talk about because it brings those feelings of fear and trauma up inside of you, especially as a queer person watching that kind of film. But with this, this makes it so easy to talk about and so easy to look at all of the practices that are in place in this fictional conversion therapy camp and to point out how ridiculous they are from a modern day standard. Yeah. So 
we get to the conversion therapy camp and this is where my favorite quote about this film and show come in which is that the but i'm a cheerleader aesthetic is edward scissorhands meets barbie Dreamhouse. yes you can absolutely see that you've got these really nice like little flowers at the front of the stage mm-hmm. just like it's like the stage itself is quite absurd. You notice that painting where it's like all the stairs going in different ways? Yes. I don't know what it's called. It's surrealism, but yeah. But, you know, the, the stage almost looks like that because there's so much going on and you mm. get the uh, True Direction's name across. And obviously we meet Mary Brown, who is in charge of True Direction's. Who The way that she talks in this really reminds me of you know the cast recording for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yes. It's like... Cups on doilies, Yes, please. exactly that. Yeah, Mike TV's Mike TV's mother. very Southern Belle kind yeah. of mom. Yeah, that's exactly what she's like, except she's dressed like President Barbie. Yes. <laughs> Which is great. She's, and... like, she's obviously a terrible person, but oh, the yeah. way that they present her in this is so absurdist that... But I think Tiffany Graves does a really good job of you know, capturing the malicious, nasty side of this character, but also never being a real, like, villain. You know, she she feels very much like uh, an amalgamation of a lot of these types of characters, mm-hmm. but without ever feeling really, like, Well, everything about gross. this is softened. Yes, yeah. From real life. And that's the point. That's what we're going for here. I, I really like this, you know, the entrance, and I think the song is a really good song. Mm-hmm. One I, step at a time. Yes, because we have like the, the steps in the background of yeah, the what they've got steps. to do. We we see Edward Chittix now as Rock. I love Rock. Who is I love Rock in the film. I love Rock in this film. Mary's son. Yep. Who is, fair to say, very clearly gay. Yeah, and people have analysed the film, obviously, more than the stage show. Yes. But, and so the reason why we're given why Mary runs this place is that her ex-husband ran off with another man and in her rage she was like oh, i'll never let this happen to anyone again yes so she started this camp but also her son is very clearly queer coded and she's trying to pressure him into being what she thinks a man should be which is based off of what she thought her husband should be like but then it never feels like she actually is aware that rock is gay in this yeah because at the same time she's in complete denial over it yes like this is all she has left family wise yeah because she's preaching all these values of you know what boys should do and what girls should do and yet completely misses it from when Rock does it, and you get his nice. There are some things that she says to him. Oh yeah, certainly. But for the most part, it's like when he's supposed to be tidying and he runs away from a mouse. She's like, men shouldn't run away from mice, Rock. I but I do like Rock's character, and especially because you instantly see that Rock and Mike have this rapport. The tension, I think, is the yes. word you're looking for. And like Mike being, you know, in his straightest great t-shirt as this ex-gay who is clearly mm-hmm. having it off with rock throughout this yeah but it seems like well it's okay because you know we all have our vices mm-hmm. but it's a really interesting dynamic and i think right from the offset it makes it very clear that this place isn't successful at what it does and and it does a really good job at demonstrating that our characters aren't in any real danger mm-hmm. which 
isn't the true experience of conversion camps, I'm sure. But certainly for this, it's important, I think, to establish. Yeah. So do you remember what the five steps are? Um, The first step is admitting it. Yeah, because this is sort of the key thing is that Megan, at this point, even once she arrives at this place, does not self-identify as a lesbian. Yes. And she doesn't understand why she's here in her mind because she doesn't know anybody that's gay or out. She has this sort of mental image of what a lesbian is supposed to be like. And yeah. because she's so femme and so peppy and a cheerleader, she's like, I'm not what other lesbians are like because she has no basis for knowing yeah. what being a lesbian means. So... She doesn't know why she's here and she sort of just agreed with it because her parents are like, it's fine, you can come home once it's done and like everything will go back to normal. Yeah. And she's like, okay, guess I'll just do this to make my parents happy because that's all she ever does. Yeah. And we meet uh, Sinead. Yes. The goth. The goth. We yeah. meet Hillary, which is Jodie Steele's multi-role Australian we character. loved Jodie Steele as Hillary. Uh, she's the one that's supposed to be showing Megan around. So Mary says to her, okay, you need, this is Megan. And she goes, hello, Megan. She's fantastic. <laughs> she's so great. And like, especially like she looks so different in both her roles. And we're going to get to what, like our favorite bit in a moment. Yeah. Cause Hillary is kind of gawky. She's very over the top in her mannerisms, whereas Tiffany is the more cheerleadery high school. Do you mean Kimberly? Girl. What did I say? Tiffany. Who's Tiffany? <laughs> um, I'm just saying girl names now. Yeah, I also really like Evie Rose Lane mm-hmm. as Graham because Graham doesn't feel like it; just feels like a normal person. You know, it does. Graham is not about this. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like there's obviously like the snarky comments to be like, you know, oh yeah, because everything's going to change. And one of the things I really like is, you know, Graham isn't stereotyped in any particular way. Graham is just herself. Yeah, because a lot of the other characters are sort of pigeonholed. The, The whole point when Jamie Babbitt was making the film was that she wanted Megan to be a really femme lesbian. And then we have some other... Well, there are some other characters in the film that aren't in this version. So there's a character who is sent here and she doesn't identify as a lesbian. But as we get further and further through the film, you find out she's not a lesbian. Yeah. She's straight. And her parents sent her here because she got a buzz cut. Yeah, and she plays um, softball, I think, which is the the stereotype, I think, in America of, like, lesbian sports. And they forced her to come to this camp, but she has a revelation while she's there that she isn't gay. She's straight. And it's not dealt with well. So they removed that character, which I'm kind of okay with. Yeah. It's quite nice. We also get to meet some of the boys. Mm -hmm. And what's great is they're all multi-rolling here. And actually, I think now's a good time to say is that I like that everyone multi-roles except Megan, Graham, and Mary. Mary. Yeah. That's really cool because yeah, I think cause... those characters are important. You know, you've got your love interest, you've got your villain. Every other character multi-roles, and I think that's really good. 
And it's not jarring at all. You know, the character's all different enough. Yeah, because at the beginning we had Harry Singh, who plays Jalal, and Aaron Teo, who plays Dolph, come on as the other cheerleaders, yes. which is great. And obviously mum and dad will play other characters, which we'll get to in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a scene with family therapy where uh, Mike will multi-role as a parent and Dolph will multi-role as a parent. As and, Thingy's dad, yeah. Yes, and Sinead will multi-role. So it's it's nice, I think, the consistency of having three characters that stay the same. Yeah. But yes, we meet uh, Dolph. We meet Jalal and we meet Andre. Yeah, so Dolph in the film is played by Dante Basco, who is, well, you will know him as Prince Zuko. Cool. Yeah, which is very cool. But again, I like I like that you've got very different stories for each one of them were there. But, you know, Dolph is a wrestler and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's his coach who's made him come here, not his parents. Yeah, because the coach is like, if you want to be on this team, you need to get straight. Yeah. Uh, I like that you've got Andre, who's very much like, I'm proud of who I am. Oh, singer, dancer, yes. actor, homosexual. Yes. Lovely. And I do think that Jalal's character is really sad, but I also really like Jalal. And Harry Singh, I think, was one of my favourite actors in this because there's so much nice energy mm-hmm. and i love his shorts later yeah on. We'll like the costume that, but design like... but again so he he's a guildford school of acting graduate very recent graduate actually in 2021 he's a baby but his story again just being you know and, and they talk about you know what do they think is their route and you've obviously got the cultural considerations for these characters yeah, as well. Yeah, he mentions that his female members of his family wear burqas and so he's never seen a woman's body and that's his route that he's come up with yes. for this. But also there's that element of he's bringing shame on his family. He's been told that, yeah. Yeah, and that's really sad and really tragic and there will be a lot of people who go to see this show that resonate that could resonate with any one of these seven gay characters. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, because there are... I don't want to say stereotypes, because it's not stereotypes in the way that straight people stereotype us, but it's stereotypes within the LGBTQ plus yes. community of the femme, the butch, the, you know. And then you've got, like, goth, sport... Uh, what do you call it? Jock. Yeah. Things like that. But... Because they're quite broad as concepts, while also being quite well-rounded characters, yeah. you've got a lot of people you can identify with, and there are certainly different parts of different characters that you'll identify with as well. So it's just really nice. Yeah. No, it is. And, and it's every... nice to have some representation. But yeah, I think anyone can go and they can, they can approach this story from any perspective. Not that it matters, obviously, turning red. I'm a 32-year-old man, and I can still resonate with that story. I definitely resonated with that story. BS to anyone who says they can't, you know? Yeah. My favourite quote I told you earlier this morning is, anybody that can't resonate with Turning Red should remember that we're perfectly capable of resonating with Remy from Ratatouille, despite the fact that we know France isn't a real place. Yeah, or Lightning McQueen. 
because apparently you don't, have to be a, you don't have to be a car to resonate with that character and well, the growth. Well, you'd understand if you were a racer, but you're not. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's it's just, it's stupid, isn't it? And, you know... If you have compassion for other people around you and empathy for everybody that you meet, then you will always be able to resonate with who exactly. you And be a better person for it. I really like A Whole New Me as a song. You know, it, it feels... One of the things I've written about this show is the fact that there are no dead songs in this every song is excellent Mm -hmm. but you have a really nice diverse mix of upbeat songs but downbeat songs and it's not like and none of the what did we watch last week everyone's talking about jamie yeah i say everyone it's everybody's talking about jamie but you know yeah with that we talked about some of the songs that had I'm going to keep calling it the Dear Evan Hansen problem because that's my issue with the film. Not the stage show, just the film. Which is that certain songs get really repetitive because there's only a verse and a chorus and then they just sing that for four minutes. Yeah. Like over and over again. This doesn't have that problem at all. No. Every song feels completely different from the others, but also really attached and cohesive and they all fit together really well and they're all perfect that's it and and you don't have i guess the same issue you have with everybody's talking about jamie certainly the film more so than stage show but where it's slow 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 oh my god why is it another slow one oh my god oh my god oh finally Mm -hmm. it's a really nice mix that flows really really well uh, and yeah, a whole new me is is a, a good song because especially where we've seen Megan with seventeen as well to where Megan is now, you're already feeling like this is you know things are going downhill. Yeah. But then we get our favourite moment because <laughs> Jodie still steps forward as Hillary, American accent and everything, and starts cheering. Australian accent. What did I say? American. Oh, Australian accent. She's going to go into yeah. her American accent. So Australian accent. M E A N W H I L E. Whatever accent that is. Whatever accent that is. <laughs> and I love it because she is there as Hillary. And. But then others Mary take... and Mike are helping her take her costume off. Yes. Yeah. And as she takes her costume off and becomes Kimberly because her cheer outfit is underneath, she seamlessly changes her voice right in front of us and our character right in front of us her physicality everything is wonderful. It's... you know my favorite thing that happens recurring all the way through the show is every time somebody turns back into a cheerleader somebody comes and just like sticks a bow on their head and they're not on headbands i think yeah. megan's one is on a headband but everybody else they just like Duk. i also <laughs> really bow. like you know small things like this like the transitions, there's a nice bit where mum and dad have to put a carpet and chairs out and they're like looking to the audience as they do it because it's really cheesy and OTT, but not in a bad way. But in the same way that the amount of transitions that have a cheer to accompany them. Yes, it's great. Well, they do it for all of them because like when we go this, so this is going into what if we were wrong, but when we go back to where Megan is with step two pink and blue, yeah. Mike and Mary are chanting a little cheer, which is such a great, little in between for the scenes yeah so i really like what if we were wrong nice scene between jared and kimberly so this is from what i remember we, we need to rewatch the film well i need to watch the film you need to watch the film i need to rewatch the film i haven't seen it for a few years i think the last time i watched it I was at university we had a viewing of it in the pride club yes and i was at university which was very fun but so jared and Kimberly 
I'm trying so hard. I keep getting these names wrong. Yeah, it's Jared and Kimberly. You're right. Are actually questioning now, okay, what if we were wrong? What do we do here? Because yes. Kimberly is starting to feel really bad that she sent her best friend in the whole world off. And we learn that Kimberly and Megan have been best friends since first grade. Yeah. And they met and like just were instantly besties. And Kimberly's saying, like, you know, we've been best friends for 17 years. And she's never tried anything with me. Maybe we were wrong. What if she's just straight and she just is a vegetarian? Yeah. And Jared is like talked into it essentially yeah. because he can't fathom why she wouldn't like kissing him. Oh, they, and we've missed a very bit. It's like Jared's kiss is slimy. Yeah. Jared's kiss is gross. She does not like kissing. Yeah, him. these are not the things that kissing's supposed to be. You know, yeah, she's, like, she says that. Which is a really nice motif that returns. Yeah. She says that um, in all the movies and the books, kissing is described as like the spark. And she's like, I don't feel that with him. But from her perspective, she's like, maybe I just don't love him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's just, you know. I mean, she doesn't, but. No, of course she doesn't. But. And I like this. They, they set off to go and. And rescue her. We've also met Larry and Lloyd at this point as well. You know, because they sneak onto the stage and they put the flyers out. Yes, and that is mum and dad's multi role. Mm -hmm. And you've obviously got these really great characters that I don't know quite what they're doing yet, but they're out to sabotage True Directions. Yeah, we have Oliver Brooks playing Larry and dad, and then Jodie Jacobs playing Lloyd and mum, and they are so funny. Yes, both of them. For the, not only the difference between characters, because that's done so well in this. There's a lot of, there's a lot of shows I've been to see where people who multi-role just are dressed differently and maybe they use a different voice. But the sheer physicality in this show to show the difference between these characters. Well, especially, yeah, with Josie Jacobs, because they really do change a lot to mm -hmm. become Lloyd. yeah. And they've got a great CV as well. They were in the original West End cast for Rock of Ages. Mm -hmm. They've done We Will Rock You, Evita, Little Shop of Horrors, Oliver. Yep. Footloose, The Wedding Singer, a bit of Shakespeare, Carrie at the Southwark Playhouse. Yep. Which is fantastic. With Oliver Brooks, there's a chance I've actually seen him before because he was Miss Trunchbull in Matilda. Mm -hmm. and then came back for the fifth anniversary performance of Matilda. Yeah. I really enjoyed both of them. I was a little confused. I won't lie. I was a little confused as to who these weird people in like the camo were, and especially because there's a lot of comic relief to them at this point. Yeah. But I especially like, as we get these little tidbits, and we learn more and more about who they are and what they're doing. One of my favourite songs of Act One is Pink and Blue. Yes. Because of how silly, ridiculous it is. Yeah, so this is step two. Step two, Pink and Blue. Boys. Step two, rediscovering your gender identity by performing stereotypical gender roles. Yes. The girls get to clean and the boys play football. But the funny thing is, I say funny thing, is how thirsty all these boys are because they're doing like mechanics and you've got rock like, and mike um, and, yeah, yeah well, but no it's not just mike who's saying rock but rock is underneath hitching something and he like lift 
is thrusting his hips up and all the boys are like zooming in on him and then it's just so funny as they're all just like like really it's, it's doing more harm than good and then mm. you've got the other bit they're playing with these guns and like rock is on all fours and mike is behind him like on the gun and obviously from our perspective you know the way they're thrusting into each other that's um a very intimate position that they're in yeah and and the way he just spanks rock after he's done and passes the gun to everyone else and you have i think it's andre mm-hmm. who's just like like gulps and really nervous he gets into the position yeah they're you... all very like hang on i thought you sent us here to be straight what are you yeah. making us do and it's certainly... this is the thing though right like It's the thing that it always makes me think of when adults who like to stereotype their babies or like yeah. toddlers who are like, I would never let my son play with a Barbie doll. It's like, if if you're that what worried... What do you think Action Man was? If you're that worried about him being straight, shouldn't you want him to play with a Barbie doll? Because he should want a woman. Like, what are you going for yeah. here? I don't understand. I don't understand. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I can't wait for when we have kids and just being like, get what you want. Right. If our daughter wants to get dinosaurs or, I don't know. Dinosaurs aren't gendered. No, but do you know what I mean? Like, I guess you've got... I like, have dinosaurs. I, I know. I'm just... You know how there will be some parents that are like, no, my daughter will not have dinosaurs. Because dinosaurs... What's the thing? If you want dinosaur patterned gendered baby clothes they're all in the boy section that's what i mean zero sense if our if our our son goes and grabs barbies or an elsa dress great i can't wait to dress up as elsa with our son that's the thing all of these kids toys regardless of how gendered they're designed to be are specifically designed to attract children's attention not oh, the action man is designed to attract boys' attention. It's designed to attract toddlers' attention yes. and to make money. Yeah. They don't care about who's buying them. No, they don't. And I, <laughs> I, I really don't care if no. our children want things that... Gender's I... a myth. Everything's done. Exactly. But I really like pink and blue. I love all the, the pink. I love all the blue. And this is the thing that this show and this film does so well is by making all of this stuff seems so ridiculous the entire audience immediately knows okay these people running this camp these are bad people yes because it's so over the top and ridiculous because what modern day woman is looking at this and going why why is the only thing that the girls are allowed to do play with the baby doll and learn how to be a good mommy or how to clean and they have to wear all pink all the time yes and that's fine if you choose to do that absolutely but the issue is they're being forced to do it so it's it's just really really cleverly designed to make any member of the audience be like oh this is horrible yeah regardless of what you think about conversion therapy obviously we're not on it but it's always going to make your audience feel like oh this isn't okay which is great that's the point that's what we should be taking away from this yeah I really like if that's what it takes. Yeah, so Megan decides that the best way to get through this is to just do the stuff because she has been brought up to be a good Catholic girl. Yeah, and she's... she's, And she knows how to clean and look after babies. And she's still very much of the opinion that I'm not gay, but I'm just going to get through this, say I've passed, 
Mm. And I can just go back. We have the family therapy scene. And obviously we have Graham's dad. He's crazy. Dropping the F slur. Yeah. And yeah, he says his daughter isn't like these other people. Yeah. Which is also very strange. And in, like you sent her here. What's, what's going on? But we learned that Graham has a trust fund and that she won't be able to, if she doesn't pass, she won't be able to go to college. She won't get her car and she won't get her trust fund. Yes. And there's an implication as well that Graham's only here because she got caught. Yes. We have that line. Uh, Graham says to Megan, you know, you, nobody truly changes. You just learn how to not get caught. And Megan's like, okay, then why are you here? And she says, well, I got caught. Yeah. Obviously. And you're already starting to pick up on some of these dynamics. So you've got Sinead is very into Graham. Graham. Mm -hmm. But then you're starting to see like Graham doesn't care about anyone. But Graham, there's something about Megan that she's drawn to. Because Megan is so hopeful. Yes. It's um... It's like the real like opposites attract. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. totally not what brain would have gone for outside of this world and you also see that andre and dolph are vibing yes they're very into each other and yeah we have family therapy and this is the bit where megan discovers her route megan is forced to come up with a route and she couldn't think of one until now and then because they've had to do all of the gendered nonsense she's like oh well You've been telling us the mum has this role and the dad has this role. Well, my dad was out of work for a while and my mum was the main breadwinner. So maybe seeing the gender roles reversed is why. And Mary latches onto that. Yes, and I did feel really bad. Because the dad's like... The dad, like... I wasn't ah, emasculated. Yeah, but Mary's Mary's like, like, he he was. was. (laughs) Yeah, and it's really like, oh, these poor characters. (laughs) Horrible people. Because this is the thing. you've given your daughter to. Yeah, and because... We don't necessarily dislike mum and dad's characters for putting Megan here. They don't feel villainous. There's nothing about there's them. There's no argument. She's not kidnapped in the middle of the night. She agres yeah, to go n- because that's what they think is best. But they're not... It's really interesting because they don't come across really nasty people for doing this to their daughter, which I think is important because you've got to kind of get a reason of why Megan would want to go back to them. And somewhere along the lines here, Megan is told that if she fails, she will not be welcome home. Now, I don't remember mum and dad saying that. I feel that's something Mary has implied. Yes. But I I, I did like the family therapy scene. Again, they, they balance these really difficult, dark themes and they also make it funny. We go to bed and there's this really funny scene where, you know, Megan's under the uh, covers and Sinead's under the other characters and we hear like a, a vibration and a it's like ooh. A, it's like a bug zapper noise. Yeah. And, and then she goes, ow, ow. And we think, I guess, the joke is that we think she's pleasuring herself. Because we're not shown the scene where they're given the bug zapper. Yes. So they, they're given, in the film we're shown it, you're given this wand, basically, which is an electroshock. Every time you think a gay thought. Yeah, you zap yourself. So it's basically pain association. And Sinead is played up to be the sort of goth character. So she enjoys the pain. Yeah. Because she's the goth character. Like that's, you know, the stereotype. And so she's zapping herself and thinking about Graham. Yeah. Because she's trying to purge herself of these thoughts. Well, she's not. No, she isn't. But like she says that's what she's doing. 
I really like, and do you know what? This is so funny. Is I didn't look at the program. Obviously, I've never seen this. I don't want spoilers. In my notes, I, I write the Rodgers and Hammerstein Dream Ballet is so good. What is the name of this song? It Dream is Ballet. Dream Ballet. I was really pleased with that. I like this. I'm glad that this is such a... Um, a musical hey, theatre reference. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, congratulations. Two years. A blooming should have. Um, I like this scene. I really like the ballet sequence of it. And this is where, you know, the, the ballet sequence is, is culminating with Megan realising she's into Graham. And then she wakes up and she finds that she's touching herself and she's like, oh no. Because I think she's realising like, oh, I am a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And we also then have her wake up because she hears some noise. Oh no, she so she wakes up and she goes to the uh, kitchen to get a drink of water. Yes. And while she's on her way there, she comes across Andre and Dolph wrestling, <laughs> I think is the word that yes. she uses. That, well, that's the term because there's a little bit of like, you know, Andre saying to Dolph that, you know, he's never, you know, never Oh yeah, earlier on he's like, oh, I could show you some moves. Yes, yeah. and Dolph's like, I'll show you some moves. And yeah, she finds them wrestling. But everyone comes out, they all hear the screams. And you said this was one of your favourite jokes. I wrote it down to make sure that I could remember it. Yeah. Because everyone comes out and you have... <laughs> you have... Mike and Rock come out. Mike and Rock wearing the same pyjamas, but they're half and half. So Rock is wearing the bottoms, Mike is wearing the top, but he's wearing tan, like beige-coloured boxes, basically. So So it looks like he's got no bottoms on, which is hilarious. But yeah, uh, obviously the truth comes out that they are involved, and that's breaking the rules. And Yeah, this is a bit different from the film as well, because... Megan is really vilified for outing them, essentially, because it's her fault that they get kicked out. Sinead, in the stage show, she makes a couple of comments, but it's a lot more in the film. That yeah. People, like, stop talking to her because she got them kicked out. And there's this mentality of, like, look, we're all just trying to get through this. We don't tell on each other. We should stick up for each other. Yeah. But, and it was an accent. I think Megan didn't intend it. It wasn't a, you know... No, whereas in the film, she she's tattled. It's a little bit more intentional. Okay. It's, yeah, it's, it's like kind of like, like she sees them and she's like, "Oh my god, what were you doing?" And they were like, "Please be quiet." And she's like, "Oh my god, you were kissing," and she's freaking out. But it's not in a way like she it's not intentional. Like, yeah. But she she does get them in. Trouble. It's not like she ran off going, "Mary, Mary, Mary." Guess what they're doing? It was literally just she woke them all up accidentally. So both are going to get kicked out, but because Doll phones up and says, "I came on to him. Mm-hmm. I I seduced him. I you know he said he wanted to learn some wrestling. I took advantage of him." Andre's like, "Why are you doing this?" And Dolph says to save you. Dolph gets kicked out. Yeah, uh, but Andre gets put in the doghouse. Yes, and they open up, and an actual doghouse goes forward. They put mm-hmm. him in it. They shut it, and and that's all because that's like solitary, and that's just like, oh my god, this is awful. Mm-hmm. And Dolph gets kicked out, and we certainly end with kind of like everything feels a little bit more bleak you know, for, for them. But then we also see people are sneaking out because there's some there, there's some people that, that, that come and help them. Because we got the XX gays, Lloyd and Larry, mm-hmm. throwing like paper aeroplanes saying, come come to the gate at midnight, we'll, we'll, we'll take you on a night out. Yeah. And... <laughs> uh, not Megan. Graham and Sinead are getting ready to go on a night out because they, they're not wearing their pink outfits anymore. And then you see that 
Jalal is also getting ready to go on this In his out. really cute shorts. I love this outfit. He's got like bright, no, not bright pink. They're like baby pink hot pant yeah. jeans shorts and like a blue crop top. And I love that he's wearing the colours that they're forced to wear at this thing, but he's mixing both yeah. of them together. And it's he great. looks great as well. Like this is a really nice like costume. Like he looks proud and happy mm-hmm. and comfortable in it. It's really, yeah. really awesome. And they're all sneaking out and... They're they convinced Megan's come with them. Yes, and then we, we see Lloyd and Larry taking them and they go outside. We can't say the name of the uh we can't say the name of the uh club. No, we can't, because we're a PG podcast. It's it's an innuendo, but it's like an outuendo. <laughs> yes. So they go and it, it ends with them about to step in. And I really like this, like because we've briefly seen Jared and Jodie Steele. I can't remember her character's name, Kimberly. Mm -hmm. We briefly seen them. They're going to go in and just find somewhere to settle for a bit because they're tired. (laughs) She's carrying Jared because he's, he's like not paid for gas or something. He spent all their money on food. So now they've got no car and they're running across and she's, and she's carrying him. Yeah. And, they go into this 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 club and then this is nice moment as everyone's gone in graham's left on the step saying are you coming in and then everything freezes the lights go and she is frozen in that position for the longest time it's like wow With graham yeah because like she's got a foot up and her, you know she's leaning forward it's really good and we have you know megan singing this song is like can i do this you know and and the finale song you know slash seeing new colors is really good Mm-hmm. And essentially, she comes to that decision of yes, I'm I'm going to go in, and it ends. Yeah, seeing new colours where she's like, "What is this going to be now? Who am I going to be if I decide to go through that door?" Yeah, it's like next. What is my next step? Exactly, and it's really nice. It ends with her taking Graham's hand and they go in. Mm-hmm. And now we're all in the club. Yes, we're in the club. So Act Two starts as we go in to the club. And yes. we have Raise Your Flag. And this is another example where we get some really good multi-role. Because Andre, so Damon Gould, mm-hmm. is now a drag performer. Yes. Singing Raise Your Flag. And he's backed by Lemuel Knights and Aaron Teo. And it's a really nice little number. You know, you've obviously got them singing about, you know, being proud, whatever flag you want to use, showcase your flag and be proud of the person you are. Yes. And I think this is a really, really nice song because it's, you know, celebrating everyone within the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. We see all these characters dancing with each other and... We learned that Larry and Lloyd... Our former camp students. Yeah. They're the XX gays. I guess. I don't know how much sense that makes. I don't think... I don't think we're supposed to think too hard about it. Like we always do. I mean, I guess the thing is... Lloyd probably... Larry... If the way that it actually works is that Larry... So, spoilers, Larry is Mary's ex-husband. Yes. 
And I, I guess he... If he figured out that he was gay and left, as opposed to fell in love with another man and left. Like, he figured out he was gay, he left. And then he finds out she started this thing, and he goes back and he meets Lloyd. Yes. That would make sense. Yeah, in the same way that I guess there's almost the element of he lived a straight life. Yeah. And maybe his whole marriage was him trying to be an ex-gay. Mm-hmm. To have a straight marriage. Yeah. And he That's now, you know. Basically like, what they say, yeah. Yeah. But I really like this whole sequence when we're in the club. We obviously have Megan slowly accepting who she is. And we see that, I, I like it when she starts singing Into the Light. Mm-hmm. And she starts thinking about how there's something about Graham that she likes. And there's that little bit of jealousy when she sees uh, Sinead kiss Graham and she storms out. She's like, I had feelings. and Well, it's almost like she do. storms out and she doesn't know what to do with the feelings of jealousy because she's like, why am I jealous? Yes. I'm not a lesbian. And like, but she's still not quite there. Graham, you know, says to Sinead, I'm not interested and goes out and says to... Megan, like, I I like you. Yeah. And then they kiss, and then that's seen by everyone, you know. Uh, well, it's seen by Sinead, Larry and Lloyd. Jared. And also Jared and, and Kimberly. Kimberly. And they're like, oh, she doesn't need rescuing. Yeah. Jared and Kimberly go outside, and they have a really nice little conversation. Like, Jared actually proves himself to be a nice person, because yes. it could go the other way. Yeah, the, the, you know he still likes this girl. He still thinks that they're dating, or they will be dating when yeah. they get back. But Kimberly says, "We were so stupid to come here. We were so wrong. How can we ever be friends again?" And Jared's like, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "Well, we can't be friends with a lesbian." And Jared's like, "Whoa, that seems a little harsh. It's yeah. our fault that this is happening to her anyway." Yeah, and Larry and we and were Lloyd, friends with her before when she was a lesbian. So yeah, like you were fine with it before. Yeah, and Larry and Lloyd say hey we couldn't help but overhear you um maybe you should come to our place for a nice cup of tea and as they go off kimberly's like wow yes that sounds like a great idea i will just come and get in your van and nice strangers and but she says it completely seriously i know i sound sarcastic no i know but jared goes straight away goes oh yeah absolutely almost like he doesn't know anything and and, he's like a puppy and then you got kimberly just with the sarcasm like yeah that sounds like a great idea going in with these strangers who we've never met before Mm -hmm. uh i really like perfect little world it's a weird song from mary's perspective and you see the frustration yeah she basically says that like whenever she feels like the world is out of place she just will start cleaning Mm. because that's, there's one surefire way to fix everything and that's to make sure that everything's perfectly clean and again it's like psycho barbie oh it's yeah great and oh, she's just fantastic she's such a good performer act two is one that goes by so quickly like in hindsight mm-hmm. like thinking about it now it's like that really has been like maybe the first half an hour mm-hmm. of act two and the rest of it just happens so quickly yeah and the fact we've kind of talked about it so briefly but it is like it, the flow of this show is absolutely incredible because Raise Your Flag is a really good like get you back into this world song. Yeah. And it's fun and it's really empowering. And then you've got Into the Light, which is a nice, you know, kind of 
acceptance song. It's not upbeat. It's not downbeat. It hits that nice, that that nice kind of area that we want it to be. Then you have got perfect little world. This is really great, like little bit of depth for this villain. Mm-hmm. And we see like, oh yeah, she is a psycho. Oh man, these songs work so perfectly. And there's really lovely little moments with these characters. Like this cast is so exceptional. There, there isn't one person who lets the team down. There isn't one song, one sequence that that kind of let lets it down. It just keeps going, and and the flow of it is so crisp. The choreography to these these sequences is lovely. It's just so so well well directed and put together. This show, yeah. Graham and Megan are falling further and further in love. They we get little snippets of them doing stuff and like completing the tasks that they're supposed to for this for their assignments camp thing yeah so they have to write in their diaries and they're cleaning together and they have to put makeup on each other and it's like learning to be a a lady or whatever and so as they're going through the process of this you can see that they're getting closer and closer together and that mary sometimes might be getting a hint yes but then as soon as she like looks at them they pull apart really quickly yes because you have this moment as well where to kind of throw her off the trail oh graham says oh i think i might be getting a crush on jalal yes and And jalal goes and goes yes i really like wow yes i also have a crush on you too graham and mary's like wonderful you should all be trying to be like graham and jalal and the two of them are just looking at each other like okay this works and this is it you sense that there's a little bit of jealousy from megan at this point as well because she's but, but she kind of gets what she they're gets doing. what they're doing it's to keep them safe but the most jealousy is coming from sinead and she is so mad about how close they're getting because also hillary really fancies sinead and she keeps trying to pair up with her for things and sinead really doesn't want to end up with her yes but she does every time because graham and megan always pair up yes i i really like kind of how it flows and you know, you have this nice area where Andre's let out of the doghouse and he definitely, whereas he's been quite confident and outgoing before, he's a lot more reserved. He's now been tortured into being straight. Yes. Yeah. And he's still not straight. but He's, he's still himself. Yeah. But, but like obviously the he's still not straight. There is no way to cure, yeah. cure being straight. This like, is it. It's not like we come out and he's very different. He's still himself, but the volume is maybe turned yeah. down a little bit because he's... He'll just do as he's told now. Yeah, he's he's been kind of broken down. Yeah. Yeah. So all of this these things are happening and they're leading up to Graham has gone and got a bunch of stuff and they sneak into I guess a, an unused room. Yeah. Or anyway, they sneak off for the evening and basically have their first time together. Yes, and I, I assume it's Megan's First time full stop. Yes, but we know that Graham got caught with another girl yes. previously. And it's it's not explicitly said, but you kind of get the idea that they were like having they were caught having sex. Yes. But I think this is this is a first for Graham in the fact that this is the first time she's felt this way mm-hmm. about another person. 
and it is a really romantic scene and again like really nice that when they kiss it's not this like it's not male gazy yeah yeah exactly this is just two people who are into each other so powerful like they're so it's it's just like like you say it's so not male gazy and it's so nicely done that you're just like oh my god wow it, it literally is just watching real life in front of you it doesn't matter that these characters are gay mm. it really doesn't matter they're just real people sharing a real intimate moment yes and it's lovely so obviously it's ruined by Sinead revealing that she's recorded the whole thing and taken it to Mary yeah because she's a psychopath but it's teenage jealousy it's not a good thing but it's like it is That's really... what she's decided to do. And this is it. It's far worse than what uh, Megan ever did with Andre yes. and Dolph because she has deliberately gone and showed. Mm-hmm. And Mary's like, I'm going to hold on to this and I'll show your parents of your little smut tape. Well, so what happens is Mary says to the two, she separates the two of them and she says to them, okay, you need to decide right now because this is like a backslide for you whether you're going to commit to this program or not, but one of you has to leave and one of you can stay. Whichever one of you stays can work with Rock in step five, which is a simulated heterosexual intercourse experience, which is gross. It is very gross. She says, she says it to Megan first. She thinks Megan is the one that will agree to it because Graham's always been quite defiant. And Megan says, no, I'm happy with who I am. I'm out now. Like I, you've made me understand who i am and so she she says we won't pretend anymore and then mary looks back at graham and it has basically says to her like remember what your father said you won't get your trust fund your inheritance your car college she doesn't even need to say that graham just does it graham's like no no i'll do it because she's so scared of coming out which is normal for teenagers it is and it's like she has this bravado Mm -hmm. but then actually deep down she's very insecure and like you say there is a lot riding at this. It's almost like she can get through this. She'll get to college. Because even even Mary says, you caught it at a good stage. Oh, you we know, could have if, lost her to we, college. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's, there's an element she knows if she just holds on, she'll get a trust fund and then she can be herself. Mm-hmm. And, and Well, the other thing is they've both been told, Megan and Graham, that they'll be disinherited yes. and cut off yeah. and homeless. And Megan's decided that it's worth it. Yeah. And... So she's kicked out, obviously, completely disowned and homeless. She shows up at Larry and Lloyd's house. This is, I forgot to say, they, the scene that I was hoping they would cut, they yeah. have, which Good. is awesome. So which, what happens in the scene that they've cut? They all get back from the gay bar the next day and Mary says to them, I know that you snuck out to go somewhere and no one will tell her where it was, but she finds the matchbook Oh, she the did, matches yeah. in it and... She says to them, like, somebody went here. I don't care who it was. The Graham saying she fancies Jalal thing happens. And Mary makes them go and pick it outside of Larry and Lloyd's house. And I'm glad that's not in there. I don't need that Westboro Baptist Church nonsense in this. That's essentially what they're forced to do. They they have their little picket signs. They stand outside the house and... Megan has to look at these people who have been so kind to her and yeah. say like hateful things. And it's the same for all of the kids, you know, they were all there at the club with them. Like mm-hmm. that is a really horrible thing to have to go through. 
especially because of how important these two characters are for them. Yeah, and how important they become, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not surprised. Like, I feel like this is trying, you know, the, the beauty of this this show is, like, you kind of expect it to be Graham who will be the one that says, I'll do it. I'll do the session with Rock. Mm-hmm. But actually, I'm not surprised because she's shown the growth. And I feel like it's a much better character arc that she goes on to the next set, whereas Graham, who's always been confident, has to take a step back to for, for her growth. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of small nice scenes as well between Mary and Rock. And especially here, it feels like everything that all these little small scenes we've had through Act 1, through Act 2 have kind of culminated here with Mary being like, I've done it. I've had enough of you, Rock. You're going to do this as well. Yeah. And Mike being, you know, jealous at this point as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like all these little subplots are kind of neatly being wrapped up and coming to a head. Megan goes to Larry and Lloyd's because it's the only place she knows that she can go. She has no parents anymore. Yeah. She needs someone to be safe. And I do think it's really good having Larry and Lloyd be her parents. You know, the same actors. Because it's the parallels, isn't it? That you These know, are her parents now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, I think the coding those actors as the parents is a really clever choice. Yeah, and we also get this line when Megan says to Lloyd, "I've come here. Can you teach me how to be a lesbian?" And they're like, "What?" <laughs> and she says, "Yeah, you can teach me how to be a lesbian. I I don't really know anything about it." Or what I'm supposed to dress like or say or look like. And they're like, oh, honey, no, you just are you. Yeah. But like true to yourself, authentic you, you can still be the way that you are. Yeah. Which is really nice because that's her whole thing since the beginning of Act One is she's like has this mental image of what a lesbian is. And she's learning now that it's not the way that she was picturing it. She's just her. Yeah. And it's a really nice sequence. We learn that they've also taken in. Dolph. Yeah. And it's really nice when Megan sees him and is like... They hug and it's like, okay, we're siblings now. Yes. And they hatch a plot to go get Graham back. Mm-hmm. And Andre. Andre. And basically free everyone. Yes. In the meantime, though, everyone else is going through step five. And we get the step five sequence, which is... They all have to wear Adam and Eve long johns right so they are tan colored onesies that have flowers and leaves sewn onto them to cover where your genitals would be basically and for the girls it covers your boobs as well and basically you just have to pretend to have sex yeah while wearing these costumes and graham's been partnered up with rock yeah, it sucks, it sucks. Well, because at this point as well, they have kind of, we need rock because otherwise there aren't enough boys for yes. this to work. But you've got the two beds and you've got two, two in the middle between the beds. And it is really uncomfortable to watch them. It's so them. uncomfortable, especially because they're all directed to, they're all like covering themselves, even though they're wearing these outfits and they're all like shaking. Yeah, you can see that there's nervous and obviously you've got Mary watching them, Mike watching them and judging them and kind of scoring them. And Mary says to them like they need to make noises as well. So they're all making fake sex noises. How does this work in the film? Like, are they... It's exactly the same. So so they, they're in costumes. They have to wear the costumes, yeah. I was going to say, it's not like in the film they actually have to have sex. No. Because, I mean, when you remember as well, these are teenagers. Yeah. 
even with without them actually having to have actual sex, this is still pretty uh, sexual assault. Yeah, I was going to say something else, but I decided no. But it is it's uncomfortable. But I think you know the way this scene is done is it isn't played up for laughs. It isn't you know this this huge funny moment. It isn't waitress, mm-hmm. you know, because I think waitress does a good job with the you've got the three different couples all engaged doing something, and you've got the same here. But whereas with waitress, it's funny, but yep. they're consenting adults here. They are teenagers who are not consenting and are forced into this. And, be- and they're not even here of their own volition. No, and the lighting is like this dark red, so it feels really claustrophobic and sinister. And it's a really, really powerful sequence. Yeah. Like, it's hard. This does a really good of job them. of being like, look how horrible this is. This is traumatic. Yeah, it's like for all the other jokes we've had here and all the other shenanigans and the laughing at it, you know, pink and blue, we've laughed at it. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, but this is, this is only like, no, it's not funny. We come to graduation day mm-hmm. and everyone here is graduating. You have Hillary is the valid Victorian. Yep. Giving this speech about how they're all better now. And, you know, when it, they, they realize that Andre has gone because as Andre is going to graduate, Dolph shows up. It's like, come with me. You don't have to do this. There's a place that we can be happy together. Yeah. And Mary goes to give him his diploma and he doesn't show up. And just as Graham is about to get her diploma, Megan shows up and is, it stops the proceedings. And she comes out of the same place that Jared came out at the beginning and she climbs over the railing into the audience and then shuffles along one of the aisles with the audience. Yes. And so the people in the audience are having to move to get out of her way as if we are the parents at this graduation, yeah. which I love. And really good staging. She does her little... She does her, you know... Five, six, seven, eight, don't give up on me because we are fate. Yeah, it's yeah. a really cute little cheer. She's dressed in her, her cheerleader costume. Mm-hmm. And Graham gives up and and goes with Megan. And every, we have this really nice like chain of events where everyone kind of realises that this is wrong. And what I really like as well is where Megan's parents show up and they say, no, we've learned to accept you for who you are. Mm -hmm. We love you regardless. And her dad's like, and I am not emasculated. Yeah. And then he's like, and I need to go poop runs off stage, quick change, come back on as Larry, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really, really funny, you know, because he has to be on this scene and uh, because Larry needs to come out. He's like, well, my ex-wife, we beat you. And this is where we learn that, you know, and and we have this this bit here where we learn that he is Rock's dad and they're both standing there yeah. with like this and they're mirrored images of each other doing the same gestures. And Rock's like, but mom, you told me my dad was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. And Mary's kind of been defeated. Mm-hmm. You know, none of uh, these teenagers are graduating, graduating and they all hook up with each other and as that's happening lloyd and larry go off yes and then they must do such a quick change for this but they come back as megan's parents and they have joined p flag which is parents and friends it's changed now but at the time it would have been parents and friends of lesbians and gays yes which was then later broadened to parents, families and friends of lesbians and gays. But 
It is an organization, the United States first organization that united parents, families, and allies with people who are LGBTQ plus. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. And they had their little gay flags, which is nice. It is really nice. And everyone, yeah, everyone's part of, I can't remember who Jalal partners up with, if anyone. I don't believe he does. No. Which you... is fine. They're not here. No, not everyone you know, has to partner up. For that reason. Yeah, exactly. So you, you have Rock and Mike together, Dolph and Andre together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have Graham and Megan together. But you have Hillary, Hillary and Sinead just like, why not? And, yeah. <laughs> and Hillary just jumps on Sinead and they're mm-hmm. just like hissing. And it's, yeah, everyone's... Happy except Mary, the way it should be. Our villain has lost. Yes. And it feels really nice. It ends. Oh my God. It ends. So before the last song, Cheer, there's the song Graham's Kiss. Yes. Where Kimberly and Jared have come back before they go to the yes. to the graduation. And she's talking about what, why they need to go and get Graham. And it's because she's in love with her. And she's like, she sings her little reprise of, uh, Jared's kiss is gross and wet and slimy and Jared and she goes no offence and Jared's like oh it's fine and then turns around into Larry and, and just cries, cries. <laughs> so which cute. is really cute because like this poor boy is now going to have a little bit of a complex but also but... He, he probably did love her yeah. like he was dating her yeah, he and pro- it's not his fault no, but, I, but, but yeah it's it funny yeah and you know it does end really triumphantly and mm-hmm. you know we have cheer is this really lovely final number and we all get to do some clapping along to some cheers yes That's and great. we're encouraged it's like when we say this you say that Duh. cheer leader cheer, yeah leader. and i loved it it was really good and and the audience were all buzzing as they came out as well you mm-hmm. could feel there's a really positive vibe about this show absolutely and i've seen a lot of positive things as well on twitter since you know people saying like this needs a West End transfer. It does. I would go and see this over and over and over again. Would you change the staging though? That's the thing. Because the staging works because it's on such a small level. But if you put it on a big stage, this state, this configuration People doesn't were worried work. about that with Heathers though, when it went from the other palace to wherever it is now. I can't remember. It's back at the other palace currently now. Yeah, but it went into a main okay. stage. And people were worried about the transfer and it worked fine. You just make your set a bit bigger. Yeah. And I think that would be fine. I think it would be great. Yeah, I don't want to add new, more characters. I don't. I, I like. I like having. No, and you wouldn't put it on, like the Palladium stage, but a smaller theatre. No, this is like it's um, still in the West End. You know where? So either the Adelphi, mm-hmm. or where we saw Be More Chill, which currently has Anne Juliet. Is that the Shaftesbury Theatre? Yeah. That kind of size. That kind of size. But I do think that there's a real appeal in this show. I mean... It's great. It's glorious. Obviously, the issue we have is... The great thing about this show currently is it's such a small theatre that you are only going to have a safe place. You know, that... You have, you know... I guess. But, like, I think... So, a lot of shows that run in the West End, obviously, you get foot traffic. Yes. So, you get people who walk past the theatre go, hmm, that show looks good. It's about cheerleaders. Maybe we'll go see that. And then they get tickets and they go and see it. Yeah. And you fall into the issue of the rent debacle. Well, and someone's like, what happened? This is about the gays. Well, and you're and, like, okay. And it happened with Heathers this week. Yes. 
where somebody, um, one of the characters, I've not seen Heather's, so I don't know context, but one of the characters says something and somebody stood up and chanted the F slur. Yeah. And... And why they didn't, not that it's anybody at Heather's fault, but like they should have, they should have stopped that show and kicked that guy out. And and, whoever it was, you know, obviously. And it it happened with Frozen as well, unfortunately. Mm, I saw that too. People suck. But yes, you wouldn't want that issue happening with a show like this, which very appropriately uses the hashtag queer joy. Because that is all this show is, is just absolutely joyful representation. Yeah, I think, you know, theatres as a whole, I, I'm of the opinion that, yes, whilst it, it, it can damage the world having to stop and start the action, in an instance like this, the show should stop. Mm-hmm. The person should be ejected and then the show can continue because mm-hmm. we need to make sure that this, the audience is safe for everyone inside of it and, and for the actors. No actor should be, you know, well, no one full stop should be made to feel that they're not welcome. Yeah. It's like the joy of theatre. And that's the great thing about this show was the fact that it felt safe. And if it transfers to the West End with a name like But I'm a Cheerleader, will people just go to it and be like, oh, this will be a fun, like, teen comedy. Yeah. And then they go in and, you know, the subject matter, does it then pose you know, a, a dangerous environment for people who, who are going because, like you say, they know the reputation of this show and this is important to them. Yeah. But I think this show absolutely should transfer. I think it's a very important show and I think does a really good job, especially the fact that her parents accept her at the end and they apologise that they put her in this position. You know, this is an important show and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What is your best song? All of them. I I do really struggle thinking of what is my best song. I I think it would be easier for me to to know what my best song was if there was a recording. <laughs> yeah, I need to. I please because like inevitably when you listen to cast albums, there are ones that you listen to more than any of the other songs, and it's not because the other songs are bad. It's because like those are the songs you want to resonate to. with. Yeah, I think. But I don't know. I liked seeing new colours. I thought that was a great song. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I think there's, you know, sometimes I like the songs just because of the songs. Sometimes I like them more because of what we see on stage. Like Pink and Blue was a fun song, so some really nice like visuals interplay on stage it. and visuals. Yeah. I I think Raise Your Flag was a really great song that could become like an anthem song. Mm-hmm. I think Seventeen as Swell is a great song that sets things up. Yeah. In terms of a skip song. Again, it's difficult to judge based on just seeing it once and without listening to a cast recording over and over again. Yeah, because that's normally what we do is we also listen to the cast recording a whole bunch of times. Yes, that it is very, very difficult to kind of come up with. So I think this week I'm going to forego a skip song. Yeah, me too. Just because I really enjoyed this one and every song felt great. Mm-hmm. I don't have a role to play. Which is really nice. Yeah. Um, What about you? Is there a character you would like to play? Any of them. I love Graham. I really identified with Graham when I was a teenager watching the film. Yeah. 
But I'd also like to play the mum slash Lloyd. I love that character. I love the way that that role was performed. Yes. Like, it's very, very cool to go from the mum costume, which is like... Very Christian conservative. Looks like her dress was made out of a carpet bag yes. kind of thing. And to Lloyd, who's like leather jacket, bandana. Like... Smoking weed. Yeah. Great. It's so cute. Actually, I'll tell you what. I know I've said I really like the multi-role. Mm-hmm. But... If Jared was to be a role just Jared, just Jared yeah. I would play Jared. Because yeah. I quite like that growth that Jared shows of being like, huh, I'm now learning what it is mm-hmm. to be gay and I'm going to be an ally because actually my friend isn't wrong for this. and I, I was wrong doing this. Like, I'd quite like to play that role in terms of the self-discovery. Yeah. You know, because I don't think Jared ever does anything malicious. And I, I think it comes from ignorance as opposed to being callous. Yeah. And I like seeing Jared's growth. So, and, and because Jared is technically the only straight character in this, mm-hmm. that, I, I, you know, yes, it's great having Jared become rock, but I don't feel it's as important as, you know, mum and dad, Larry and Lloyd. Yeah. You know, I don't want it to be that dad is only dad. Dad needs to be Larry. So if if there was a, a world in which Jared was just Jared, that's what I would do with mm. this show. Who, right, this is, this is a tough one. Who's your MVP? I, I know this is such a, this feels like a weak answer, but like the whole cast of this, I want this show with the same cast to go to the West End, I want this show to carry on because it's so yeah. good and so important. So they are all my MVPs, including the backstage crew, the directors, the uh, orchestra. Like, they were all fantastic. Yeah, everything about this show is brilliant. I think the show itself is the MVP. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say that certainly through Act One, Jodie Steele was, like, so, so impressive. Like, the bit that sticks in my head most is that meanwhile section, but... Everyone does such a phenomenal job throughout that this show itself is the MVP because it really felt like we watched something special. Yeah. That's because every single person, whether they're on stage, backstage, has played such a vital role in making this and bringing all these different pieces together. Mm -hmm. You know, Bill Augustine, who did the book and lyrics, of the lyrics, there's some really clever lines Andrew Abrams' music is amazing. Mm -hmm. The songs, like I say, there's a really great mix between upbeat, downbeat and character-driven narrative songs. Tanya Azevedo is the director. Again, fantastic. The vision of this show is, 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 is phenomenal. And I loved it. I wish I could see it again. And maybe I will see it again before it goes. Who knows? Yeah, I hope we do. What is your star rating for this one? Five stars. Yeah. This is amazing. Five stars. This is such a great, important show. And I think it is one of those that's going to be really, really important for future generations. Yeah. And it needs to have a much bigger run, hopefully with the same cast Mm -hmm. and creative team involved. Yeah. I didn't throw it out to Twitter and Instagram because obviously it's a very small show. It's not been running for long. 
but I know that I have seen very, very positive reviews of it online, and I'm sure we're not the only ones that think highly of it. Yeah, and if you can get tickets to see it before it closes uh, in April, you absolutely should, because it really, really just is fantastic. Yes, there's a lot of people I see on theatre Twitter who go down to London for the day and do, like, three shows over the weekend. Mm -hmm. If you get the chance, make this a show that goes into your rotation, because it, it is worth it. And it's a fairly accessible price as well. Yeah. What are we going to watch next week? We've already talked about it. It's our two-year anniversary. It's perhaps the musical I've watched the most since. Mm-hmm. What are we watching? We are going to see Singing in the Rain. Yes. I'm so excited. I've seen this in the theatre before. You haven't. No. You've seen the film, but we've watched the film multiple times since we originally covered it yes and it felt like the most appropriate uh musical to cover for this milestone Mm -hmm. you know we've been doing this two years i'm very very excited to talk about a show i really enjoyed but to see how the adaptation of the film has fared yeah and we also so on the sixth it will actually be our birthday Mm-hmm. So on that Wednesday, we will be launching a bonus episode covering maybe our favourite and most listened to album in a while. Yes. The Goosebumps Phantom of the Auditorium musical soundtrack on Spotify. We're going to do something a little bit different. Yeah. And talk about the soundtrack and maybe how we'd stage certain elements if we were lucky enough to direct it yes which i would really like to do as a school show yeah and then we will cap off on the 11th hour live theater season with anyone can whistle from the southwark playhouse before we then go back to pinocchio for our disney series on the 18th and then the 25th is our third phantom week Mm -hmm. i know you've got some plans for that one which i still don't know and i'm very excited to find out yes indeed but as always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. Let us know, did you see But I'm a Cheerleader and enjoy it as much as we did? Or have we convinced you to go and see But I'm a Cheerleader? And if you do go and see it, tell us your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of Singing in the Rain live? We are going to be seeing it uh, Tuesday, so tomorrow at Woking. If you're there, come say hello to us. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts on that. And... Tell us your thoughts on Goosebumps. Have you listened to it yet? And if not, listen to it and get involved. Tell us if you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You can find us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. Mm -hmm. And if you like what we do, why not head on over to any of those providers or podchaser.com and leave us a five-star review. But until next week, we will have some cake and candles, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to celebrate two years with you all. So come find us, same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday.